This morning, <clears throat> I'd like to talk about this ceremony. You don't have to to read it all right now because I'm going to go through it. I'll go through all the lines uh, so that uh, we have a feeling of of uh, what we're doing, and each of us can can have a sense through the day of how we want to relate to the ceremony, whether we would like to be a part of it or whether not. And that's perfectly all right too. If, if one, if one uh, senses the ceremony is, is not for us. We do offer, offer this because it, it has been very important complement, support in, uh, in our own practice and uh, really in this retreat situation, Tanisha and I basically offer offer the things that we work with that we find very useful. I first encountered uh, this, uh, I think, as I was saying last night, uh, the uh, the the idea of the Bodhisattva Kuan Yin. Uh, Sometime, I think in 1982 or 1983, when I was very ill in the monastery and uh, in a lot of pain, wasn't able to to do anything. Uh, I could, in retrospect, the illness was was quite a blessing for learning different things. But physically, I was uh, basically confined to the attic, lying down most of the time for years, and. Um, I had uh, encountered some of the writings of the of the great master, the Chinese master Xunhua, who uh, after the uh, harsh cultural revolution in in uh, China, this master left uh, mainland China. I think went to Taiwan for a while, and then went to California and established the city of 10,000 Buddhas in California. And I read uh, some of his books where he talked about uh, the devotion to to Kuan Yin and how that was... uh, He said that if one uh, does this practice uh, with a sincere heart, there will be a response, and that Kuan Yin can deal with any illness not to worry about it. So that perked my ears up. And um, though it, at first it was very much me with a problem wanting somebody to come and help, I think in the course of, of uh, doing the devotional practice, feeling how the activity of stretching the mind, opening the heart, and the activity of learning to deepen one's trust that uh, that things are okay deepens one's trust that uh, that it's okay to relax deepens one's uh, trust that there are there is that which is is very benevolent which can help and guide us that is not other it is something that's a part of. It's other. It's out there when, uh, because our own contracted sense of self has has cut out a lot that's a part of this mysterious totality. 
but that really a lot of the miraculous, uh, wondrous aspects of nature are part of this, they're, they're part of this one mind. And that this, uh, I found this practice very much uh, helping me sense that uh, rootedness in the, in the trusting, in the fearless, in the well. And uh, so I, I did, uh, I wrote the, I got permission from my teacher, and, and though I was a Theravada monk from the Thai forest tradition, my Western teacher was very happy for us to, to explore different practices on our own. So I got permission to write the, the master, and I wrote him, and, and he, he uh, encouraged me that uh, my illness would respond if I sincerely practiced repentance and reform. And this, this word repentance is a bit unfortunate because it has such heavy connotation. But rather than just chuck out the whole of the English language, um, one can try to imbue some words that have unfortunate connotations with, with fortunate, with useful resonances. And uh, I, I think the, the, the word re- repentance is, is, is learning how to to get back in touch with something in us, an innate, deep, sensitive radar that's able to, to know when, we, when we've done things that harm ourselves and harm others. Tanisha talked about it the other day when she talked about the guardians of the world being these qualities, Hiri Otapa. Hearing means this, this capacity for remorse, for knowing when there's something that is, that is wrong. And that that pain is, is skillful. That's skillful. It's warning us. It's telling us. That, 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 hey, this, when, when that's been so numbed over and closed over so, so that we don't feel anything, our, 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 our virtuous... Uh, sensor is shut down. And then when there's no otapa, the, the capacity to, to consider what is the result of this, not to be so locked into the moment, but to sense how this unfolds, what is the result of this. That's called fear of the results of wrongdoing. Actually, this kind of fear is useful. It stops us. It's good to have the brakes put on sometimes so that we don't do something that I visit, uh, when I was a prison chaplain during my monastic years, I, I visited people who, 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 who didn't have this otapa as strong as it needed to be, so that they were just in a rage or something, do something, kill somebody. Then they're left in prison for years and years and years, and, and with all the sense of remorse, or at least the remorse came later. Now, remorse, we're using this as a positive word, guilt, just creating this, this permanent sense of I'm no good, turning it into a heavy me. We're not using that as a useful word. We're trying to use a word that realizes we make mistakes, but that's not our eternal self, that we then can reform. Again, that word's a bit heavy. We can resolve, resolve to learn from that. And rather than even the beings that, that we've harmed before, Rather than just feeling it's an eternal black spot on our, on our heart, we can resolve, may the harm I've ever done to anyone, I'm going to turn that into a blessing for that person. 
because that link with that person, I'm going to use that link to share the goodness from my life with that person or that being. I resolve to, to share the blessings of my life. I resolve to assist that being in whatever mysterious way happens in the future, this life or another life. And so in this sense, um, we learn to scan through our life and, and sense that which harmed ourselves and harm others. And that's very important. Get a feeling for that pain. Honor the pain of what has harmed ourselves and others. And then learn to, to resolve a, a resolution, to, to incline. So this ceremony is also about the very important virtue of resolution, of of having a direction in life. It's the virtue, the, the paramita that the Buddha called atitana, the capacity to have a sense of direction. When there's no atitana, then we're at the mercy of this mood, that mood. Oh, that's interesting, that's interesting. It's nice to be relaxed, but when our sense of purpose is so relaxed, then we just we, we end up going in circles. It's like a, a boat without a keel or without a rudder. And there's so many directions that one can go in. One can make this life about getting power. Make, make this life about getting popular. Make this life about <clears throat> being pleased. Make this life about controlling everything. Make this life about getting back at someone else. One can also incline and make this life about what we call deepening capacity to be true, to be awake, to be clear, to resonate compassionately with suffering, joyfully with beauty. That can be an atitana, that can be a, a resolution. And, 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 and that, that principle is, is a very important principle each of us in our own way. So in this, this ceremony, we're, we're looking a lot at the principle of sensing with remorse, not just for us, but also recognizing that, look, this idea of me being separate from you actually is a nice thought, but might not even be a nice thought, but it's not true that we're all part of this together. And we also do this consciously for, for the earth, for, for all beings. We might think that we're, you know, pretty good. We don't remember robbing a bank last week and, and killing anybody and uh, raping anybody. Or, but, you know, we have to be careful about getting too puffed up about how pure we are. Uh, you know, if we can take on board the, the reflection the Buddha gave. The Buddha said, if you, if countless, countless lives we've been spinning around the wheel of birth and death. Just the lives we, each of us, have had in one eon, in one eon, one world contraction and, and, and collapsing. If the, the bones, if they didn't decay, the bones from, from our lives would pile up as high as a mountain. The tears that we shed from those lives would fill an ocean the blood even from being caught up in violence in those lives would fill an ocean. And even if we, if we feel all that evil stuff is all apart from me, we can't really look on down our, our noses. It is said, and I think it's uh, probably true, that we've all been a part of, of all of that stuff. 
that we do this for ourselves and for everyone, just, just reflecting on this human tendency in this world, in samsara, to get caught up in greed, hatred, and delusion. During a year of silence that I did in a forest, in, the, in the, a big forest in our, our monastery in Sussex, I did this ceremony every day. And I found it powerfully meditative. And, you know, the salt crystal that I talked about last night and how we're, we're drugged to hell. There's no more choice when some of the karmic results of our habits and tendencies and things sweep through us and we feel obstructed. This ceremony is, is, is to use an American expression, big time about, or new, big time about dilution. It's about stretching, stretching our perspective of time, our perspective of what we are, what we're linked to. It's, it's a yoga of opening, opening the heart and allowing what we normally maybe put outside our heart to resonate within the heart what is really virtuous. We're going to be using bowing in this ceremony, and for some of us that is uh, uh, strange. It's not the idea of kind of putting ourselves down and elevating someone else up. It's a, it's a gesture of honoring that can use the body. We've used our body to compete and to get money and to do all other sorts of things that we do with our body. We've also used this body to, to harm ourselves and to harm others. We've used our speech skillfully sometimes, but also we've used our, used our speech to, to divide and to unnecessarily be cruel, to mislead. And our, and our thought, which is the root of all our speech and actions, has also been caught up in, in various forms of confusion. In bowing, it's like using the body in chanting or recitation, using the speech, in reflecting on the ceremony, using the mind, using these levels of our karmic activity, just for the sake of using the body for something that's blameless, using the body to honor the possibility of wisdom. And when we bow to the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, as we'll see in this deeply reflective contemplation, we're not perpetuating dualism. We're not bowing to something out there. We're, we're deeply surrendering to honoring and touching that place where it's not out there, where it's all a part of, where we live, where we abide. As I go through the ceremony, you'll see. So if you want to go through it with me. Um, at first we praise Namo Dabe Kwan Si and Pusa, chanting in the way we have been chanting. Homage to the greatly compassionate Bodhisattva who listens to the sounds of the world. Bowing and then bowing to the everlasting triple jewel, the timeless Buddha Dhamma Sangha. Um, Kuan Yin is a great Bodhisattva, uh, an enlightened being who, as, as the story goes, was already a Buddha, then saw so many beings suffering that decided to just continue manifesting in the many different worlds just for the sake of helping living beings. In some of the Mahayana uh, discourses, teachings that uh, Sakyamuni Buddha, our Buddha of our age, gave, he mentions this particular Bodhisattva, Avalokiteshvara is the Sanskrit name, 
Avalokita means to regard far other sounds. Kuan Yin is just a Chinese transliteration of Avalokitesha. Kuan Yin means Kuan to regard Yin, the sounds sure of the world. In different traditions, the Tibetan tradition, they call Kuan Yin Chinarezi. It's the energy of compassion. In, in Japanese, Kanon. In Korean, Kuan Am. In Thai, Kuan Im. In, uh, to me, in, in, in the Christian tradition, it's about uh, the energy of Mother Mary. In this, uh, I'll read something from one of the discourses of the Buddha where he talked about the power of this Bodhisattva. This is one of the last uh, talks the Buddha gave called the Lotus Sutra, where he said that every being, even beings who just nod to the Buddha and make that link with the timeless principle of, of awakening, eventually will, will be a Buddha, that all of us will, will, the flowering of our being will be to manifest in this form of, of peacefulness, of great capacity to help countless other living beings and in this teaching where he, he talked about that, that we all are destined for Buddhahood he also talked in one of the chapters he talked about Avalokiteshvara or Kuan Yin and someone asked him a question about uh, why do they call Kuan Yin this one who listens to the sounds of the world the Buddha said to the questioner good man suppose there are innumerable hundreds thousands ten thousand millions of living beings who are undergoing various trials and suffering, if they hear of this Bodhisattva Kuan Yin, the one who listens to the sounds of the world, and single-mindedly call his name or her name, I'll talk about that later, then at once he will perceive the sound of their voices and they will gain deliverance from their trials. If someone holds fast to the name of Kuan Yin, should they enter a great fire, the fire cannot burn them. This would come about because of this Bodhisattva's authority and supernatural power. If one were washed away by a great flood and called upon his name, one would immediately find himself in a shallow place. Suppose there were a hundred, thousand, ten thousand million living beings seeking for gold, silver, lapis lazuli, seashell, agate, coral, and amber, pearls, treasures. They set out upon a sea, and suppose a fierce wind blew their ship off course and it drifted to the land of the Rakshasa demons malignant forces that sometimes appear as protectors. If among those people lost at sea there is even just one who calls the name of Kuan Yin, then all those people will be delivered from their troubles. This is why she is called the one who listens to the sounds of the world. If a person who faces imminent threat of attack should call the name of the Bodhisattva of Compassion, then the swords and staves wielded by the attackers will shatter into so many pieces. Suppose there's a person, whether guilty or not, has the, his body imprisoned in fetters and chains. If he calls the name of Kuan Yin, then all his bonds will be severed and broken at once. If there should be living beings beset by lust, numerous lusts and craving, let them think with constant devotion of the one who listens to the sounds of the world, and then they can shed their desires. They have great wrath and anger. Let them think with constant devotion about the one who listens to the sounds of the world and then they can shed their anger and ire. If they have great ignorance, let them think with constant reverence of the Bodhisattva who listens to the sounds of the world and they can rid themselves of confusion and stupidity. 
the person who was asking the question was called inexhaustible intent. Inexhaustible intent, this bodhisattva who listens to the sounds of the world has great authority, as I've described and can confer many benefits. And for this reason, living beings should constantly keep the thought of him or her in mind. I say him or her because one of Kuan Yin's vows is to, sometimes she appears with a thousand hands and a thousand eyes, we'll have a, uh, an image of her with a thousand hands and a thousand eyes. One of her vows is to appear in a way that will be right for the person that needs help. Some people can only hear something from a powerful person or from a general or from a, a maiden or, or from a, a child. And Kuan Yin has vowed to manifest in the way that is right for a living being to, to hear something, to be helped, to know something. The um, Robert Thurman, uh, one of the early practitioners of Buddhism in the West, and who's also a wonderful scholar, and a Tibetan uh, practitioner, uh, wrote a, a short piece about the tradition of Avalokiteshvara or Kuan Yin in Tibetan Buddhism and about how she got her thousand hands and eyes. I'll just read that. According to an old Tibetan tradition, the Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara or Kuan Yin has a special relation with the people of Tibet. A Bodhisattva is a warrior or hero of enlightenment, a being who is on the path to Buddhahood. But in a sense, Kuan Yin is even more than a Buddha because after attaining Buddhahood, he volunteered to return to the way of a Bodhisattva in order to lead all beings to Buddhahood. Thus, Avalokiteshvara is considered the manifestation of the selfless, unconditioned compassion of the Buddhas. The form Avalokiteshvara favored by the Tibetans has a thousand arms and a thousand eyes, and he is said to have acquired these many arms and heads as a result of his frustration, has a thousand arms and eyes and eleven heads. He is said to have acquired these many arms and heads as a result of his frustration with the Tibetans. The story begins when Avalokiteshvara was dwelling in Sukhavati, the pure land of Amitabha Buddha, where everything was wonderful and peaceful. And feeling quite confident and expansive, Avalokiteshvara decided to go down to Tibet to help it become a civilized, nonviolent nation. And he vowed to Amitabha, if I should ever get discouraged down there, working with those barbaric Tibetans, may my body be shattered into a thousand pieces. That's resolution. Then he descended and for several lifetimes he meditated in the mountains upon boundless compassion, continually emanating ways of love. In those days, the Tibetans were powerful warriors who had conquered much of Central Asia. They also loved to have a good time and eat great quantities of yak meat. And in the traditional language of Buddhism, they were difficult to tame. And after many lifetimes, Avalokiteshvara began to be aware that such deeply ingrained tendencies are not easily pacified. Just emanating ways of love does not do the trick. Violence somehow persists offer food to a hungry demon and he responds by starting to eat your arm. <laughs> in a moment when Avalokiteshvara was not guarding his mind, he thought these evil, violent Tibetans are insatiable. No matter how peaceful and loving I am, it has no effect. He became a bit discouraged and wept, they say, two tears, and from each tear a goddess was born, one white and one green, the two forms of Tara. 
the two goddesses said, stop weeping, we'll help you. Please calm yourself. And their words indeed calmed him down for a lifetime or two. At last, however, he became truly discouraged, and in that moment his body was instantly shattered into bits. And then one of the fragments of the Bodhisattva cried out in despair to Amitabha Buddha for help. And Amitabha came down to the place where Avalokiteshvara's pieces were strewn about the mountain, and in typical guru fashion, he looked down at the broken Bodhisattva and said, What's your problem? (laughs) Who ever told you to make such an ambitious vow? What have you done to yourself? You know you should always be careful about what you wish for because whatever it is, good or bad, sooner or later you will get it. And then Amitabha blessed the Bodhisattva and the thousand pieces became an imposing figure with a thousand arms and a thousand eyes and eleven heads. And in these different arms, there are different uh, sacred items of responding to situations with the courage of a sword, or with the, uh, with, with the gentleness of sweet dew. And as I said, Kuan Yin made this vow to respond in the way that uh, helps living beings. And her most uh, favorite form in China and in much of the world is the feminine form, Kuan Yin in a female form, as a, as a, uh, a beautiful uh, maiden. And uh, so really, uh, Kuan Yin has transcended being limited by being only a male or a female, but uh, we have a beautiful feminine form of Kuan Yin in the front. So we begin by bowing to Kuan Yin in this ceremony, and then bowing to the everlasting triple jewel of the Ten Directions. With the bowing, um, this idea of using the body to make a karma, make an activity which is which is blameless, uh, one can do a full a full bow of one wishes. Standing up, coming down, bringing the whole body in, coming up. Or one can do, uh, if one wishes to, one can do uh, a more half bow like the Theravada countries do, uh, this sort of bow. Or one can even just nod one's head, checking what feels right for one. And um, part of this ceremony, uh, the leader will say something, and part of the ceremony, the assembly will, will say something. Then the leader, I'll be leading the ceremony. I say, all in this assembly, each one kneeling, holding incense in a flower, make offerings to adore in the Dharma realm. Will uh, each of us uh, choose, we won't have incense because it will fill the room, but we'll each have our imaginary, imagine a lovely stick of incense that is just lit at that moment. And we'll each have a little offering from the garden to get a pebble or a stone or a leaf or a piece of grass or a little flower. Please, out of compassion to these gardens here, don't go <laughs> packing all the flowers. We might find a little wildflower somewhere, a little daisy or some little wildflower. But let's, let's honor, let's don't have the great compassion ceremony, rape guy a house and leave, <laughs> uh, leave everyone else devastated for weeks afterwards. But we have some offering that means something to us, whatever it is stone, a leaf, a grass, a dewdrop, who knows. And then, and then we'll have that with us 
And, and at one part later on in the ceremony, we can, if we wish, come up and offer that to Kuan Yin. The assembly then says, uh, May this fragrant flower cloud, the flower and the incense, fully pervade the ten directions, allowing our mind to go big. May one by one all realms be adorned, all the different places where living beings dwell, here and wherever else in this awesome cosmos. When we look up at the sky, it's big. It's very big at night when you see the billions of galaxies. May one by one all the realms be beautified or adorned. May the Bodhisattva path, this path of becoming Bodhi, awakened but able to help others, able to truly bless others. May this path of wisdom, compassion, be fulfilled and all beings realize the perfect peace of the pure heart. And as we bow, uh, then I, I will say the reflection out loud so that people don't have to while you're bowing, and this is very meditative bowing, learning to feel the peacefulness of just the head touching the ground, the earth. I'll read the reflection, this incense and flower pervades the ten direction, making a tower of subtle, wonderful light, touching all living beings, spreading, doing the Buddha's work, having received the fragrance, living beings bring forth the mind of awakening and together enter the undying, the unconditioned. Then we all will recite, Namo means homage, homage to the former, thus come one light of proper dharma. That's, that refers to the fact that Kuan Yin used to be a Buddha. The present Kuan Yin Bodhisattva, Kuan Shri Yin Bodhisattva, perfect and miraculous merit, complete and great compassion, who in a single body and mind manifests in a thousand hands and a thousand eyes who illumines and looks upon the Dharma realm and protects and upholds living beings and causes them to bring forth the great mind of the way, who teaches them to hold the perfect spiritual mantra. Later in this thing, you'll see we have the great compassion mantra, a very powerful mantra. It takes a few minutes to recite, made up of lots of mini mantras, each, each embodying and resonating with the power of the different hands and eyes that Kuan Yin has that can help living beings in different ways. We certainly recommend anyone who wants to that it's very wonderful to learn this mantra, but we all can't uh, learn the mantra now as we heard from the teaching that the Buddha gave. Just, just saying Kuan Yin's name is the essence of the mantra. And Kuan Yin's name is the essence of the mantra as it reminds us to abide in that place that listens to the sounds of the world. So the power of Kuan Yin is reminding us more and more to stay with that place which is where Kuan Yin's heart is, where the heart of compassion is, that which is listening right in the core of our own being. Kuan Yin causes them to bring forth the great mind of the way teaches them to uphold the perfect spiritual mantra, to leave forever the unwholesome past and to be reborn at the time of the Buddha so that we can keep practicing. Obstructive karma and illnesses which bind the body are caused to melt away. No one can exhaust the praises of Kuan Yin's awesome spiritual might. Therefore, with one mind, I return my life in worship. Worship means honoring, merging, stretching the heart to include within this one mind this wonderful aspect of compassion. Now, as, 
that now we're going to go through this ceremony is very powerful because one is bowing to, to Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and saints and sages. Many of these we won't even know the names and don't worry if we have a feeling for who this being was or is. Just think of us as bowing to the infinite, bowing to the timeless, to the pure, of, of stretching stretching the heart space. And, and, and as we bow and then pause in the bow, I will read the, I will, I know the reflection, and I'll say it out loud for all of us. And you'll see how non-dual and meditative this ceremony is when you look at this reflection at the bottom of the first page. The worshipped, that's Kuan Yin, or the Buddha that we're bowing to, and the worshiper, this sense of self, are empty and still in nature getting a sense of as we bow, feeling what it is that we are imagining, stretching to, and the sense of somebody doing it, holding all of that, and getting a sense for the spaciousness, the stillness, the non-dual unity that's at the core of all that. The worshipped and the worshipper are empty and still in nature. The response and the way are intertwined conceivably. It's a very important line. The response, we want something to happen. We've heard about this karma business and wholesome intentions lead to good results and unwholesome intentions lead to painful results. It's a mystery, that link. It's, a, it's one of the great imponderables. But just learning to trust that the response, the response, the effect, we're so impatient, the effect and the way, the way means the activity, the activity of cultivating that which is blameless and wholesome. The response and the way are intertwined inconceivably. This way place, this place here where we're practicing the way, this place, this hall, this house, these grounds, this way place of mine is like a wish-fulfilling pearl. If we're bowing to our original teacher, in this case, Sakyamuni Buddha, then I'll say, Sakyamuni Buddha appears before me. I appear before Sakyamuni Buddha. Bowing down, I return my life in worship, in honoring. I'll ring a bell and then we'll, we'll stand up and then I'll, I'll mention Amitabha Buddha. Amitabha Buddha, for those of you who've heard of the Pure Land, is, is one of the great Buddhas in another, another universe. Another, uh, and as uh, the saying, as the teachings of the Mahayana go, our Buddha, many eons ago, when he made the vow to be a Buddha, he was practicing with other guys at that time. They were like us just pondering, I'd like to do something good. Wouldn't it be nice to get more peaceful and help somebody? Amitabha was so, uh, so, uh, saw that it was so hard, this path was so hard and people suffer so much. Amitabha made the vow, gosh, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to, I'm going to cultivate such skill and patience that anybody who even just says my name with reverence I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help them appear in my land so that they can finish burning up their karmic residue there. And that this land I will help create will be a very peaceful, nonviolent, beautiful place called Sukhavati, the land of ultimate bliss. So uh, our Buddha praises Amitabha for his awesome vow. Amitabha praises Sakyamuni Buddha, the Buddha of our age, for being so, taking the toughest job on 
appearing in what's called the Saha world, the world we live in is, is considered quite difficult because there's so much confusion in it as well, so much violence in it as well. So each Buddha is praising each other for the different way that they manifested. And uh, Kuan Yin's uh, root body, so to speak, from which many emanations uh, happen, supposedly Kuan Yin is in Abhitabha's land. I don't uh, suggest people worry about trying to figure that out right now. To me, I'm, uh, to me this is a, a gesture of learning how to listen, how to honor, and then how to, how to say the name, and how to just keep the mind opening enough to check what happens. Medicine Master Buddha is another great Buddha that is, that, that is mentioned, uh, that has affinities with this world we live in and that can help avert disasters and help heal beings with illnesses. Buddhas of the past, King of a Thousand Lights Buddhas, Buddhas of the, countless Buddhas of the past, Buddhas of the Ten Directions, Buddhas of the future, even bowing to the words of this wonderful mantra, Dharani means mantra of compassion. This is again about stretching, the whole sense of our space, of who we are, when we do this, I find changes uh, profoundly. When we bow to the uh, the Dharma, the compassionate Dharma of the mantra, I reflect that the Dharma nature, like emptiness, cannot be seen. We can't see with our physical eye the unborn, the undying, but we can realize it, realize it. The everlasting Dharma jewel, this jewel of the timeless, peaceful heart, is difficult to conceive of with my three karmas, body, speech, and mind. These are the three levels of how we create things in this world. With the three karmas now in accord with Dharma, I pray that it will manifest and accept this offering. Uh, then we start bowing to the different bodhisattvas, the Kuan Yin, and then rather than offering our life in devotion and worship, we change the reflection a little bit that Kuan Yin manifests before us and we manifest before the greatly compassionate one as I seek to dissolve all obstacles. Remembering this salt crystal image. As one bows, as one feels the sense of space, just get that feeling of allowing that gesture of honoring, allowing just the energy of that to work on this sense of being stuck, sense of being whatever we are. Allowing ourselves to trust and just see what that feels like. If we're used to sitting very still, sometimes getting up and down, up and down, or bowing feels a bit strange, but that's allowing the body to be used in this activity. Uh, oftentimes one will feel dizzy or, or have lots of resistance or something. If one can just see that as part of, part of the process, I encourage one not to judge it, just to kind of feel that on some level this works very deeply on the sense of karmic obstruction highlighting it, loosening it, revealing it, allowing it to shift. <clears throat> then we bow to different great beings who called sunlight and moonlight bodhisattva, Manjushri, the great bodhisattva of wisdom, Maitreya, the future Buddha, all the bodhisattvas of the ten directions. Again, rather than thinking them as all as separate, remembering this deep non-dual notion that, that the worshipped and the worshipper are empty and still, Again, it's allowing the heart to be very wide open 
bowing to Mahakasapa and the immeasurable Salvaka Sangha, that's all the monks and nuns and lay men and lay women, bowing to all the countless sages, saints and sages of all traditions of the Dharma realm, past, present and future. And then on behalf of the gods, dragons, Dharma protectors, all the spirits of the rivers, oceans, mountains, springs, woods, all beings, making a bow on behalf of all those beings, actually feeling a sense of how we're linked with all the different beings that are protectors. Then the sutra says, if there are those who wish to recite and bear in mind this mantra and to bring forth a heart of kindness and compassion for all living beings, they should first follow me in making these vows. Remember these, we can get in a panic about these vows, but it's how one uses them. To me, these are vows to help us trust what our intention is. Namo, greatly compassionate Kuan Chi, and I vow that I will quickly know all dharmas. I mean, if you want to, we can vow, I vow that I'll take forever. But it's, it's an encouragement that it can happen. We can know things. That can arise. I will quickly know. I vow that I will soon attain the wisdom I. I vow that I will quickly cross over living beings, over the sea of suffering. Again, we have to sense how this feels for us. Maybe that, those words don't feel right. Well, then, well, then sense what, we, what is our resolution. Namo Kuan Yin, I vow that I will soon obtain good skill and means. I vow that I will soon cross over the sea of suffering. I vow that I will quickly attain precepts, samadhi, and the way. In this, in this big picture, even an eon is quite quick. But, but don't even have to wait for an eon. Sometimes our obstruction has generated so much time of thinking it's all out there, even being opening to the fact that things can also change now. Just allowing ourselves not to be so locked into the idea that I am eternally stuck. Namo Kwan I vow that I will soon unite with a Dharma nature body. If I face the hells, the hells disappear. This is wonderful. Giving us courage to be with hell, be with that which is difficult, to trust the transformative power of listening. If I face the hungry ghosts, the hungry ghosts become full. If I face the asuras, the angry thoughts are tamed. If I face the animals, they attain great wisdom. Chanting Kuan Yin's name ten times and Amitabha Buddha's name ten times. And then Kuan Yin gives her vow to the Buddha. This is all taken from a, a discourse that the Buddha gave where Kuan Yin was part of it. And Kuan Yin vowed, World Honored One, that's a name for the Buddha. If any living being who recites and holds the mantra, spiritual mantra of great compassion should fall into the three lower paths, I vow not to attain the right enlightenment. The three lower paths are if someone doesn't want to, if someone sincerely recites my name, I won't allow them to fall into hell or the animal realm or the hungry ghost realm. If any living being recites and holds this mantra, should not be reborn in a Buddha land, I vow not to attain the right enlightenment. Should not attain immeasurable samadhis and eloquence, I vow not to attain the enlightenment. If any living being recites and holds a mantra of great compassion, and I think that also includes holding her name, which is the essence of it, should not obtain whatever he seeks in this present life, and it cannot be the dharani, the dharani means the mantra, of the great compassion mind. Having spoken these words before the assembly, she put her palms together, 
stood upright and, and chanted this, this mantra, which Tanisha and I will chant, and anyone else who, who, who knows it will chant down the left column, then down the right column, then down the left column of the next page, and down the right column. And then, then we'll all chant together her name, just chanting her name uh, for several minutes. And then as we bow, I do the reflection of I and all living beings from beginningless time have been constantly obstructed by ignorance of the three karmic actions and the six sense faculties, not knowing the essentials of escape, that means escape from birth and death, merely complying with birth and death and not knowing the wonderful Dharma. Now, although I know we might have heard the teachings, I continue along with other living beings to be hindered by difficult conditions. Now before Kuan Yin and the Buddhas of the Ten Directions, for the sake of all living beings everywhere, I return my life in repentance and reform, praying that there will, praying that there will be protection and that offenses will be dissolved. And then we all vow to transform greed, hatred, and delusion, transform them into non-greed, compassion, wisdom. And then bowing again, as I reflect for all of us, that from beginningless time, because of blind attachment based on selfishness, I've committed countless unwholesome deeds, but on this day I've come to trust deeply in cause and effect give birth to a healthy sense of remorse for harm done to self and others, resolve to make amends by seeking wisdom, knowing that all dharmas are empty and still for the sake of all living beings. We do this for the sake of the whole. I abandon the unwholesome tendencies and cultivate the good, and I pray that Kuan Yin will gather this in and receive it. Then all together, we say with the utmost sincerity of mind, is it come in? Okay. Right there? Okay, at that point, uh, that's right, we each of us have our little offering, and then at that point, we, uh, as we chant the name of Kuan Yin, thank you, Tanisha, uh, we have a chance, we'll have the shrine up here where, where people can come and make the offering. Uh, maybe at two at a time or even three at a time can come up, and, uh, and, and offer it on the shrine, whatever we have. And if, if everyone makes three long bows, then it, 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 uh, by the end of the Great Compassion Ceremony, we might have all fainted because uh, there's, there's so many of us. This whole ceremony came from, it's been adapted from Master Wa's uh, teachings at the City of 10,000 Buddhas. This uh, encourages us to really look at this. This very mind shared by all living beings is fundamentally complete with a thousand dharmas. It has in full all spiritual strength and the use of bright wisdom. Above in this one mind, it's the same as the Buddha. Below it is identical to all that lives. The emptiness, the timeless, and the conditions are all in this one mind. Beginningless dark movement blocks this still brightness. Contact with things dims and confuses it. Thoughts arise and bind it in attachments. In the midst of the sameness of dharmas arises this notion of self and other. And in all existence, attachment and views are the basis and the body and speech are the conditions that give rise to all suffering. In killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, lying and unskillful speech, misuse of intoxicants, going through all the different 
activities which harm myself and others, having no respect for saints and sages or knowing what is right from wrong. Amidst oppressive conditions from the past and present, I am obstructed in the dharmas of the path and do not become well-seasoned in my cultivation. Now having met this perfect spiritual mantra of compassion, I am able to quickly dissolve the obstacles of transgressions like these. Therefore, on this day, with utter sincerity, I recite and hold this mantra and return to Kuan Yin and to all the great masters of the Ten Directions. May the greatly compassionate one uphold us with a thousand hands and illumine us with a thousand eyes that we may realize the ending of suffering. I vow to open up this wisdom to be vigorous in helping the many classes of beings. Now that these vows of repentance are made, I return my life in devotion to the triple jewel, the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, the timeless refuge that leads all beings to the radiant heart that is our true home. Now, it's a lot of information. I, I Forgive me for having to read it fast, but I feel it's, it's very important that you at least have a sense of what it is. And then in the course of the day, as one reflects on one's life, reflects on these principles, one can have a sense of, of how you would like to work with this. Everyone is very welcome, but also anyone who, who doesn't feel that they want to be a part of the ceremony, that's, that's perfect or if one just wants to, to, to partake of it by, by listening. Each of us find, find our way. The principle, uh, Tanisha and I feel, is, is very deeply important. It uh, should be uh, contemplated. And I feel the opportunity to do something like this together with the power of our week's work behind us for the sake of all beings, for the sake of this planet, uh, for the sake of the tense time that our world is in, I, I do feel that this is a very significant thing that we can do together.
भागवतो अर्हतो
from incorrect speech. Sula melayamajapamadatana veramanikapatansamadhyami. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.